If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. Yeah. So look, for the first 40 minutes, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, but we have a lot of fun. That's our intro portion of the episode. We start out by talking about Organifi's brand new flavored gold juice. This is phenomenal to drink at night. Uh, improve your sleep. It's relaxing. A little and bit of a caramel taste. It's incredibly good. delicious. Also, later on in the episode, we mentioned Organifi's nootropic and gut health supplement, Pure. Now, Organifi is one of our sponsors. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump, you'll get 20% off. Then we talk about skateboarding. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm definitely Cowabunga. the best skateboarder of the group. Uh, <laughs> then we talk about the challenges. You sure look like it. That youth face today versus past generations. Adam tends to think that the generation today, you know, it's just as hard as it was, you know, the generation of the 1950s and 60s. <laughs> Don't make me uh, say it. Just like, different. Say it's like just that. different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking out for all our millennials and yeah, iGeners. Yeah. I got your back, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Then we talk about the viewing habits of children and the self-destructive nature of the philosophy of collectivism. It's resulted in 100 million deaths in the 20th century. Not to make you feel bad for, uh, for it, but uh, you might learn a thing. Then we talk about fitness. Uh, this is 40 minutes in. We start answering fitness questions. The first question was, what are some things that you can do to optimize brain function? You want to stay sharp. You want to stay fluid with your words. You want to have good thinking. Find out what you can do in that part of this episode. Don't hit your head. The next question was, uh, how strong should the average individual be for health and longevity? But we go a little further. We talk about, look, if you want to be a strong person in the gym, what should you aim for with your lifts? Next question was, what's the difference between fresh and frozen veggies besides the fact that one is frozen and one is not? Are there differences in nutrition? Should you eat frozen? Should you eat fresh? Find out. And the final question, of course, we're fitness experts, but sometimes we pretend to be experts in other subjects that we're not. This question is- I love doing that. What's the best way to get over a breakup? We give our relationship advice. Also, this month, MAPS Anabolic, the best flagship program that we offer for muscle building and metabolism boosting. Like if you want a metabolism that burns calories like a hot furnace, MAPS Anabolic is the program for you. Well, it's half off this month. We have Beat taken the, the price and cut it in half. All you got to do is go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0, for 50% off. That website also has all of our other MAPS fitness programs. We have a lot of them. Here's what you got to do, okay? Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Go through all of our programs. Learn about them. Find the one that works best for your goals and your body. You will get in shape faster and better if you get the right program for your body, you can find it there, mapsfitnessproducts.com. Hey, Doug, I saw you take home uh, last night. I saw you take the Organifi, the new flavor home. Mm -hmm. Did you try it? I did. How was it? Fantastic. What is the flavor? Yeah. It's chocolate with the gold juice, cacao with the gold gold juice. <clears throat> oh. 
Any, and, any and, new uh, herbs in there, like uh, sassafras? <laughs> Already? Yeah. Already you're scoring that points. Was, that was weak. That's listen. Not, that's not bad. That listen, listen, Linda. That yeah. was a listen, perfectly Linda. interjected. Sassafras. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you stop with all your sassafras. Well, let's yeah. see where <laughs> you guys can bring it in later. Yeah, yeah. that but was it, forced. But I want to hear about this flavor. Well, if you like hot chocolate with a kind of a caramely flavor, Ooh. you'll like this. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I like the gold, the regular gold juice flavor. That sounds so like heaven. Or cold chocolate. Shit in the it doesn't woods. have to be hot. It can be cold as Is well. it better than the original gold fl- uh, gold flavor? They're different. They're both great, but uh, you know, I'm a big fan of cacao or chocolate, mm-hmm. and so I really like this one. Big fan you know, of cacao. Uh, uh, maybe our fans don't know this, but uh, when we travel, which we don't do as much, but we used to travel a lot. Mm. Each one of us would. There's always something that each one of us would bring. It's just a personality thing. Um, that, you know, each one of us tends to bring something. And Doug always has a bar of extra dark chocolate. I love chocolate. Every, he literally has it with him every time. Does, I'm a yeah. chocolate fanatic. And but it wh- has to be very dark. Yes. Yeah. And while we're working, he'll like break off a piece of it and just if, if it's just suck it. If it's the one like the one, the one that you eat though, it's not. Cacao. It's not really that bad for you. The the sugar content on it is it's very not, low. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like half a bar has like six grams of sugar. Yeah, that's, that's a whole half a bar. Do you get stimulated by the chocolate? Like uh, <laughs> not like well, that. Whoa, hey. oh. easy there. Google that. <laughs> yeah. Stimulate me with the chocolate. Do you get stimulated? Does it does it have a stimulant effect on you? I don't feel like it does, but okay. maybe it does. Because I know you're sensitive to caffeine. Definitely sensitive to caffeine. Yeah, chocolate, especially dark chocolate uh, or or high amounts of cacao have uh, a compound called theobromine. Yeah. Uh, that is chemically similar to caffeine. Yeah. So it'll give you, some people give them a stimulant kind of wake-up effect. You know what I mean? That's the actual chocolate that will kill dogs. Now, did you... <laughs> did you, you do fun, so fun fact. Yeah. You just said that's so <laughs> I know. Random. <laughs> he looked at me all crazy. Actually, with my that. dog's gotten a hold of my chocolate before. That kind of freaked out. And it out. was okay? Okay, oh, yeah. man. Is it from that? Is it the theobromine? Is that, that isn't it like? Is that kind of a myth? Like where you? I don't well, know. The reason you're not it's supposed a myth, to eat from my experimentation, it seems to be a myth because <laughs> because it's the milk chocolate. It's mainly consists of the sugar and milk. But if you actually have like concentrated chocolate, that's where the problem is. I feel like it's like when your mom used to say, "Don't get in the pool after you eat your sandwich." You know, after yeah. you have your bologna sandwich, Sal, don't get in the pool because oh, you get yeah. cramps. Yeah, that's made up. Uh, actually, yeah, it's made up. there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. It's not the same. It's there's not a, like what they said. What where, the fuck yeah. does that mean? There's a little bit of truth to everything. Well, um, no, I mean, I got hair really. on my palms <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, if you got to shave you, every now and if then. If you look at it with a microscope. Yeah. So, Doug, when you when you made the the gold juice, you used what kind of? Would you use coconut milk, almond milk? Would you use? I always use macadamia milk. Do you heat it up? You know, yesterday I just did it cold. Okay. Uh, so it was not the gold juice, it was the gold with the cacao. So have you heated it up and frothed it yet? Because that's where it's at. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's great. Oh. But I haven't tried I, it I'm yet. a big frother. Yeah, you are a big frother. Yeah, and a sassafraser. I'm a sassafras and frother, son of a bitch. So <laughs> last night, actually, I did it cold. So I just put the, the powder into the cold milk. I took I actually took a frother to it to just oh. stir it up. And I drank that. It was like drinking chocolate milk. And you know that... Gold juice has kind of a caramely flavor, mm-hmm. and wow. so you kind of get caramel and chocolate, and I don't know. I don't. They put a little salt in there too and make a salted cho- oh, chocolate oh, caramel. Wow. I feel well, like yeah. you just made that up. I kind of made that up. I but do feel like that's yeah, what just, it seemed like to me. <laughs> add some salt, but if you don't, if you don't have it in there, you can always add it. That's exactly right. It is relaxing, that's for sure. It's got the was it the turkey tail in there, a little raishi. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel nice and calm. I slept like a baby, so it worked. 
every woke up every two hours. What, what yeah, is, crying. <laughs> what, what, what is turkey tail? Is it a root or what is it? Uh, no, if you look at a turkey, no. the back part it's of not, a turkey no, no, is no, the no, tail. It's not that. It is, a, it is an herb um, and it has sedative uh, properties. Um, similar to chamomile um, or passion flower, they uh, increase the release of, I believe, GABA uh, in the brain, which has got this kind of calming effect. Um, so now, why, 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 GABA, GABA. why use one and not the other? What do you mean? Like, why use turkey tail and not chamomile? Oh, um, they're both really, really good. Um, that's a good question. I, I like chamomile quite a bit too because it's very, very mild and it's very safe. Passion flower is much stronger. Um, I wouldn't give passion flower, for example, to a kid, but I would give chamomile to a kid all day long. Um, so I guess it just depends. Now, chamomile is a flower, and so some people can have a, if you have like allergic kind of reactions to flowers, sometimes people don't like chamomile. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not quite sure why turkey tail would be, would be better. I, I think I, it's probably got more adaptogenic uh, properties. I try to do chamomile with the boys in their water. So I does was, it work on them? Uh, they don't. They don't like it. I can't get them really to, to drink it up. The Even way if I, you put it in like some uh, some cheese. So no. What I did was I took I took I chamomile tea and I brewed it and then I put it in the refrigerator and I got it cool and then I poured it in their bowl for their water, so they would drink it like water. And I did that when I, I was doing that. Uh, this was before we had Ned, right? So since then I, I've used Ned. Ned's worked fine for helping you know settle them down. They get anxiety when we travel. So when I would take them, when when Katrina and I take them on, uh, you know, our trips, this is what I was trying the chamomile thing. And it just didn't seem to to work. Not as well as the mm-hmm. the Ned stuff. Chamomile is really, really, really mild. It's something you can drink every night. You know, it's it's not like other sedative. Type I feel herbs. it though. When I use it, I feel it. I love it. Yeah, I I, I can tell a difference. I give it to my 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 kids sometimes. My daughter, uh, I'll give it to her because mm. if she gets sometimes she'll wake up in the middle of the night, and get scared. So I'll give her chamomile and she goes to sleep and it's, and it's like I said, it's very safe. I know in in uh, in Italy, they'll the doctor will recommend giving it to babies who have colic. It's also good for digestive mm. issues uh, as well. So yeah, but yeah, your dogs are pretty anxious. They're anxious little turkeys, aren't you they? No, they yeah. are. They are. They're a pain in the ass. Mm. It's, uh, the the one draw and I don't know if it's a breed thing uh, uh, or not because I feel like I've been around bulldogs that are really cool in public but mine are just they're a pain in the ass man do they calm yeah. each other down are they worse well, alone no so but so by themselves they're actually really good it's the, they they hype each other up so like I a lot of times Katrina and I will walk them separately um, just because they're easier to handle if we're if they're by themselves and mm-hmm. other dogs or runners or people go by like our neighborhoods got a lot of people walking around and running around and walking their dogs. And when you got both of them on the leash together and you're by yourself, like especially Katrina, like they, they'll, they'll pull you, they'll pull, they'll pull on her and it's kind of a, he- a headache to try and settle them down. And they, and they really vibe off of each other's energy. If one of them is by themselves, totally different. They don't even care. It's no big deal. Have you tried a thunder vest or whatever? Yeah. We, you, and they, they, it's like a wife beater for dogs. Yeah. yeah. It works on me. Calms me the fuck down. Wow. Yeah. You get the same you get the same kind of effect with the Thundercell. just a really tight sweater and stuff that they wear. And they love that. They do like that. And they're so round and cute. I almost want to wrap them up myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just wrap them up like a like a sausage. Yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah they're they're do they do they resist? Like if you wrap them up in a blanket? No, no, not at all. Actually, it's <laughs> you know what I mean. Funny thing about that breed too is like so if you if you go tell them like. You want to put a shirt on? They'll they'll perk up. 
because they know what you're doing. <laughs> and then you go get one of their shirts, and they'll come running over to you, and they'll sit down, and they'll be super excited for you to put the put the clothes on them. <laughs> so you, funny. you put you can dress them, you put hats on them, and everything like that. That's a funny thing about them is that's the only breed I've ever had that allows you. That's to, what they fuck with them like that. Cool yeah, that's yeah. why. That's why you always see like bulldogs as like when they see when you see pictures of dogs and they got like hats and shit on them and stuff yeah, like that. Riding skateboards. Yeah, you could do well. Yeah, it's a little bit different than clothes. Did you try doing that? Yeah, you tried they, having them ride a skateboard. So what? I, I'm convinced that it's it's something that they all do because. And it, what I noticed was the first time I kicked the this, this skateboard out, I mean, Bentley literally got on it, and he didn't ride far, and it wasn't good, but he rode it right away. But why he rode it is because they're so short and low to the ground, and they go to go bite the wheels. And when they go to bite the wheels, they put their other two feet on the- Moves them forward just naturally. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost, and I'm sure that's exactly that's how this happened. I'm sure yeah. some guy who was a skater had a bulldog- Pulled it out one time, and the dog went for it right away to chew the chew the rubber tires. Uh -huh. oh, and when they sense. go to chew the tires, they have to put the, in order for them to get their little fat necks around to buy it. They have to get closer to it so that they put their feet on the board, and then it naturally pushes the board forward. And they're trying to bite the they're trying to bite the wheel, and the board keeps rolling. So it just kind of encourages it. Yeah, it just encourages them already riding it. It's really funny. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, this is this is why people use bulldogs. My dog doesn't have any cool tricks. Yeah, I was going to say, except shitting on your shoe while you're wearing it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a pretty cool trick. And now, like, the, the problem is he eats all the socks in the house. And so he goes, he actually shit out, like, three full <laughs> socks <laughs> the other day. And then turn around and eats it again. Oh my God! Uh, like he has to be the dumbest dog I've ever had. <laughs> oh, no, poor yes, guy. He is. He is. I think really he's just. Dumb. I honestly don't think he's dumb. I think he's just fucking with you. I, I think so. He's too. not. He's not because he he's just he's just devious. Does he when he see when he didn't he didn't he also like spray your your curtains or something with uh oh with, with poops with poops yeah but that that was a you know he was sick oh, okay. that, that night that wasn't maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what you think. You guys have this conspiratorial thing behind all his. He just does stuff like that all the time, and he doesn't think. He runs into the table, just dunk. Oh, no, that's you know, he just he just does dumb shit all the that's time. Hilarious. Yeah, I, I just, love it. It's crazy. I posted a, a meme uh, yesterday on my um, my Insta story, and it has a picture of a wolf. And it says, uh, I think I'm going to go make friends with these humans. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then it says, 10,000 years later, and it's got a picture of a little pug with big eyes. <laughs> like, it turned into that. You know? <laughs> That's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Yeah, it's messed up. Oh, dude. You know, you were talking about the skateboards. It made me think about the skateboard revolution. Um, in the, I don't, what, what what decade was it where skateboards- 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it the 70s or 80s? What was it called Dogtown? I think it was the 70s. The documentary yeah, yeah, about yeah. it? Yeah. 80s. You know how that all started, right? Huh. The original- Original skateboards had metal wheels, and because they've been around for a long time, and the problem with that is, you know, imagine a skateboard with metal wheels. You hit one pebble, <laughs> you're fucking flying. Oh, yeah. That thing's gonna stop, and you're flying you're off. You're gonna do an endo. Yes, it was the invention of the polyurethane wheels that turned them into what they are today. And because it because you know how it feels on a skateboard, they're smooth and they they right. can hit you know little rocks and go right over them. Yeah. And then I think it was the 70s where it started to kind of take off in California, right? Isn't that yeah. what that, that documentary was about? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's like 78. It's like late 70s. <clears throat> I just remember Doug Kyle. He was my uh, next door neighbor who actually was considered a professional skateboarder back in the 80s. And he would do the 
where, where they would go to like the the drained out pools and they would yeah. do all those tricks and stuff in there. That's where the half pipe was invented, right? That's yeah. where they got the whole idea. Yeah, so he was part of that movement of like they would uh, Thrasher magazine and all these things would take pictures of him going <laughs> and and uh, skateboarding in these like emptied out pools. See, I want to say it was late seventies when California we had such a bad drought that uh, it was ordered that people drain their pools. So it was like a state, like the state said to people, if you own a pool. You got to drain it. We're we're low on water, and so you had all these people with, you know, empty swimming pools in, in their backyards, and what these kids would do with these skateboards, and they look, you know, different than the ones you see today, is they would look over fences looking for these empty skateboards when, um, excuse me, empty pools when nobody was home, mm-hmm. and then they'd jump the fence, and they'd all. That's how that whole scene got created. Yeah, and I mean, it must have been cool to be the first kid to come off the board because at first they would just you know up and down and then you must have been i mean imagine how cool you were to be the first kid oh yeah to just kind of you know come off the board dude he a, taught a me bit. some of the very first tricks too like i remember like where I, I he taught me how to kick flip and then also how to how to land on top so like basically the uh, skateboard turned on its side so it was like straight up so the wheels were, mm-hmm. were facing up and then he jumped like on top of that and then he kick back down like so anyway he taught me how to do could you do all that yeah no way you knew how to kick flip and everything you needed yeah really it took me like i wow. ate shit for years you know like working on it but then i gave up because it it was just one of those like unforgiving skills you know you start doing it and you just keep landing on asphalt mm, it sucks it, that's the uh did you wear the what, what shoes are the etsy's uh, no, I had some Vans. Vans. Yeah, I had some checkered Vans. Yeah, Vans and Vision. Vision. That was a oh, Vision when we were yeah, kids. Yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. I in was high in school. the skateboarding for a minute there, a hot at, minute. Yeah. At my now, is this was this just unique to my school? But we had the skate because skaters became a big thing when I was in, in high school. It became like a like a, they had their own like clique or crew. Yeah, but they kind of also look. Uh, they also kind of dressed like cholos a little bit. Yeah. Was that the thing? Because mm-hmm. they would that's wear California style. That's a California. Yeah. They would wear dickies. They would still wear the the Pendleton, you know, the Pendleton sweat you know, shirts or whatever. Yeah. But they would skate instead of you know whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's crazy. Was it a <laughs> yeah, big Steve Caballero? That was my favorite. Yeah. Was that that was a big thing? In your guys' school too, huh? Did you skate, uh-huh. Adam? I didn't skate, and it wasn't as big in my school. Remember, I grew. You guys up- were right. You guys were standing on horses. Yeah. No, we were <laughs> country, yes. right? So yeah. I I had for I had a very small. We were a. Um, we weren't a very diverse school. There's a handful of Mexicans. There was two black kids, and then everybody else was white cowboy riding mm. uh, kids for sure. I you mean, were the, you were like you were super diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, to- I, I totally was. That's why I, I hung out with all of them because I didn't really fit in with anybody. Right? There mm-hmm. wasn't like a, a group of guys like me. But you were you there were you had your jocks and your athletes. So you saw all your athletes, and then you had like your cowboys, and then you had your small group of Mexicans. And then you had like the one token black guy that was hanging out with you, but he was an athlete, so he was hanging out with us. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't uh, there wasn't really the skater clique. There was a handful of kids that maybe that skated, but the skater kids were more like the stoners of our school. Yeah, like you were They're always the troublemakers. Of you our were school. like you were mostly none of them were like really good. There wasn't really major skate parks there. If you smoke pot, you also had a skateboard. It was mm-hmm. kind of like that. Mm. You know, it was it was it was more of a pot culture with mm. oh, if you smoke pot, you probably have a skateboard too. It was less of like My oh, sk- you're a you're a badass skater and you maybe you smoke pot. I, I, yeah, I went to sc- high school in San Jose, and so we were very diverse. Obviously, San Jose being a very diverse city, so it was, I would say. Um, 
obviously you had your white kids, a lot of Hispanic, um, large Hispanic population in San Jose, you know, a lot of other minorities, um, you know, black and, and other, you know, other people. And we, we did have our cliques. And, and what I'm hearing now from kids is that the cliques are, it's not the same. They don't have the same kind of cliques that we did. Like we had stoners yeah. that hung out and they listened to metal and they had long hair and that's where people bought their pot. Yeah. You had, you know, you had the cholos, which, you and know. You had the goth, which was go- totally different too. Goth. Back then it was like Marilyn Manson was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and everybody's dyeing their hair and like painting their nails and being all gloomy and shit. Yep, yep. And, and, we- and they'd hang out in the parking lot and then we had, yeah, we had the jocks and then we had the, uh, God, what else was there? There was definitely the cowboys and the. Uh, the Hicks. Oh, we had. We used to call them the Hicks. We had one. We had one cowboy yeah. at my school. Poor guy was outnumbered. Like he was the only guy that we had. God at bless him. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but I re- yeah, it was pretty. But I guess it's a little different now when you talk to kids now. They don't. They don't. Um, I don't think they they create clicks like they used to. They don't seem to congregate like that the same way. I mm-hmm. feel like everybody's dispersed and doing their own thing. I mean, based off of what Enzo's saying, it doesn't even sound like there's like high school parties are a big thing. Like really? Would, so weird. Yeah, that's what he said. He said it's not a really big deal. Like, there's not a lot of. Oh, people. that was everything back then. Like, yeah, like, who's throwing the party? The whole week of school was, you know, twenty percent get your homework done, eighty percent figure out where you're getting drunk on the weekend. Really? Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Wow. Yes, that was twenty percent of the time. It was just make sure you get your shit done, like carry your three O so you can play sport. <laughs> or for me, it was three O because I had to to play sports. Yeah. Um, it, and then it, the rest of the time, it was like, who is going to get the beer? And whose house can you get to? And we're. I, I wonder if I wonder if because we read about this the younger generation and statistically speaking, they do less drugs, they have less premarital, premarital sex, they commit less crimes than our generation did, and then we make fun of them for being you know sheltered and covered in bubble wrap and be. A, I wonder if it kind of goes hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. they they were they're they're so like sheltered. Which well makes them not do certain things, but it also makes them uh, you know that's not easily what makes, offended. So that's stuff. not what makes, according to iGen, the book. That's not what makes them that way. What makes them that way is that information is so readily available that kids are smarter. It, it, with like for example, uh, part of what they uh, attribute the you know the less premarital sex is the statistics on a kid that someone who has a kid at 16 years old mm-hmm. what happens to them financially and the likelihood of them being on welfare well, 16 and pregnant was huge for yes, preventing yes. a lot of yes uh, yeah. and they and they, I, they actually even talk about that in there and so they attribute that to that not so much because they're sheltered it's because they're know, they're Pe- smarter kids have known forever that you had sex and you people get pregnant i don't know if that no, 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 no. it's not that part of it it's that what that what that what that looks like yeah what that indicates and what yeah. that the predictions of that person and the same thing goes for you know uh sex before being married and stuff i think that they have found out that you know most successful relation if you're if you get married at the and i don't remember what this the stats are but i remember reading it it's like you know, as you if you get married at seventeen, the likelihood of getting divorced is much higher. If you get married at twenty, it's lower. At twenty five, it's lower. At thirty, so as you get sure. older, the 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 likelihood of you divorcing 
gets lower and lower. So the, and kids know these statistics now because mm-hmm. it's so easily to access this information. And so it's kind of like you dummy, you're falling in love at 17. You know the likelihood that you're going to get married and follow your you know meet your sweetheart. Like, well, it's also adolescence is also just it's just continued to extend. You know, uh, you go back two generations, people were moving out and getting married. But at again, ages, that's what, and it's just getting they, it's they getting had, older and older. They they attribute that to to what I just said. Well, part of it could also be this today to be a a, a, a successful um, contributor to society, you have to have a lot more skills than you did uh, two generations ago. You just did it requires more education, more experience. You're a child for longer. You know what I'm saying? Like a 17 year old in the 1950s could probably be equipped to get a job and then and then support a family. A 17-year-old today, unless they invent some crazy tech company, it's probably not going to happen. People live at home longer. I don't know if I can get on board with that. You know, I I don't think it's very hard to start an Instagram account, start snapping half-naked pictures of yourself. Yeah, but are you going to build a business and support Uh, your family? Fuck, a lot of kids do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't don't know if that. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a fair statement. I don't. I don't think it's any easier or harder today than it was. Requires way more skills. It requires way more. Look, uh, let me put it this way: it's the inflation of uh, what do they call it? The inflation of education or, or skills. For example, in the 1970s, a four-year degree was a big deal. Today, everybody has a four-year bachelor degree, and it doesn't mean anything anymore like it used to because there's so many of them. It's uh, and you go back even further. It's again less skills required. It's it takes a lot longer now to be an adult than it used to. Kids live at home for a lot longer. Things are more expensive as a result. Yeah, so I, the, I just think it's different. The ability to become an entrepreneur is far easier today than it was ten years ago. So the, the the skills required, the barriers to entry are yeah, much lower. Yeah, that's a lower. short period though. Ten years is a short period to look yeah, at. Yeah, but I mean that's I don't know. That's why I just don't know if I agree with you. I don't think it's I don't th- I think it's all relative. Yeah. I mean I I don't I don't ever believe that like uh, you know our generation is has it easier or harder. I mean it's it's all the fucking same. It's just different, right? It's all the same but different. Same same but different. Yeah. You know, right? It's like there's there's just different challenges now. There's just different different stuff that they have to do. So you don't deal think with. that the generation today has a lot easier than say 50 years ago, 60 years ago? In what in what aspect? I don't care. Just think, in general. Yeah, I think yeah. If if you, if I you think could the, choose, I think that yeah. Well, I think the challenges are different. I think that the they have different things that they have to worry about that kids in the fifties didn't have to worry about, and so and like and, 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 and vice versa. Well, I mean, there certainly isn't wasn't cell phone kids stuck to cell phones and addiction and depression and suicide rates like there are today i mean they they now have to think about these things and now is it is it controllable and is it is it easy i don't know you could you could argue that putting your phone down and not getting sucked into the social world and, and you, you know what they were doing 50 years ago in schools they were doing nuclear bomb dive under your desk right drills. And, and so if you're somebody in the 50s that you 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 scoff at what the kids have to deal with and you know, we say, save you. We you say they're a bunch of know. Yeah. we say they're a bunch of pussies but i mean there's in their defense, it's it's a different challenge. It's just a different challenge. I think it's, and it always will. be. I definitely think it's different, but I also think if if they could trade, I don't think they would. I think a lot of them would be like, ah, this is uh, this is a lot harder than I thought. It's funny. I was reading this article um, in uh, I forgot where it was. I believe it was uh, Reason Magazine, where people are complaining about how expensive it is uh, to, nowadays, and people were you know calculating the cost of. You know uh, the cost of living today versus you know 60 years ago, and saying, "Oh, look how expensive it is." And they're saying, "Well, you got to compare apples to apples." 
Today, what we consider to be normal expenses didn't even exist in the past. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have cables. We didn't have two TVs in the house. Households didn't have two or three cars. Households had one car. So they said, if we count apples to apples, it was it's far less expensive today than it was back then. The difference is today, we just we think you accumulated need accumulated more shit, way more stuff, and we I, it's accepted you have to now have now that all the stuff. I 100% agree with that. I mean, we've definitely um, I mean that that Mr. Rogers documentary that I talked about. I mean, talks about that. We when we when television came, we had this explosion of advertising and marketing to the younger generation that we never did before just didn't exist like kids yeah. didn't get advertised to the way they did when when TV came out and when and then from that point on we become we just became obsessed with you know being consumers we just have to have have to have it's and it's the next thing i mean even if you watch the the uh the the, the trend of um like clothing lines there used to be a time when when clothes was, or if you were like a J.C. Penny or whatever like that, there was seasons. It was you know yeah, like four seasons. Yeah, it was oh, yeah, four. they got rid of that whole thing. Yeah, no, it's weekly now. Yeah, uh-huh. so it's there's weekly drops, and that's that that's insane when you think about it. That. Is have you? Let me ask you guys a question because I'm all for uh, very open, very free, largely unregulated markets. Allow the market decide what you know consumers decide what uh, what succeeds and what doesn't succeed. But one area where I tend to divul- you know, differ from my other, you know, maybe free market uh, supporting friends is I do think there should be regulations for uh, advertising and selling things to children, um, mm-hmm. because I I consider adults, you know, I consider when you're an adult, I think you can make all your own decisions, but I think when you're a kid, it's very different, and I think advertising to children, period, in my opinion, I don't think should just be free and open. I think that should be strictly uh, prohibited, personally. That's a an, that's an very interesting discussion because I could argue both sides, I feel like. I feel like I, could, I would say, well, that's the responsibility of the parents to not allow um, them to be exposed to that, and that's your choice as a parent. Do you just let your kids roam on YouTube all day long? Do you just let them roam on television all day long to where they get advertised like crazy, or do you police that more closely and do you educate them on that and so i could say that the responsibility still falls back on the parents but then i could also say like man that is that's a really probably challenging place to be as a parent to have to police all this shit not knowing what kind of advertising they're getting bombarded and that's kind of it's kind of unfair to be picking off children you know that that don't have well kids are easily so manipulated the the kids are very very easily uh manipulated um you could definitely change how they feel and think and it's not just trying to get them to buy a product it's also we know what advertising does as adults um they're trying to get you to buy clothing but maybe you don't buy the clothing. In the meantime, you feel bad about yourself uh, because you don't look the way that you think you're supposed to now because of the ad, or mm. you're not cool enough, or you know you're you know everybody else is having a good time doing this thing and you're not. If you watch uh, TV channels for kids, look at the commercials that are going to the kids. Pick out one thing on there that's fucking good. It's all garbage. It's all sh- shitty, crazy food. With you know crazy amounts of sugar and highly processed this that and the other, it's toys that are terrible. It's it's all bad shit. And so when it comes to children, I'm for regulating certain things. Um, and I think advertising to kids, I think silly. It's like why yeah. why would why are we gonna you know these are children now when they become adults, go for it. Now you make up your own your own decisions. But I also know your you know understand your argument 
that it should be up to the parents to police this kind of stuff. So I, I, I also kind of agree with that. What I personally think is going to happen, what I would like to see happen because uh, of the way the internet works, is now they have all these like uh, parental uh, like apps and stuff that I can, like for example, I have one on my kid's phone where his phone, he cannot go online after uh, 10 p.m. or before 7 a.m. It just can't. I hooked up his phone that way. And I can also put filters and stuff like that on there. I think that that there's a market for stuff like that. I wish there was a market for advertising, but uh, the problem with that is I don't know. I don't know how that would work. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be so tough, I think yeah. it's I think it's crazy. It's the, all kind of wrapped into the business model. So well, it's and tough I, to I, there's a there's a strong argument unravel for it. it yeah. Well, I believe and I believe that's like one of the fastest growing markets right now is kids and advertising, right? Yeah, and like YouTube and shit like that. It's supposed to be insane. Well, you like see, the, yeah, how swayed they are to like certain channels of them just opening presents and playing video games, and that's huge, huge market for potential uh, businesses to want to advertise into or like get their get their brand name in there somehow. So, yeah, I I, I go I I can I can waver on this one because I can I'm I'm against regulation ninety nine percent of the time, but when it comes to kids, I, I well, I can also see where. You know, your theory that you've brought up on the show before about what, what 3D printing is going to do, I mean, it may all be fucking... Not even, it doesn't even matter. doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what I'm point. saying? Like, it may get to a point where it's, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when anybody and everybody can pretty much have the, th- as far as all the things, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it'll take for us to come back full circle when we'll stop valuing things so much because they'll be so readily available for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. We'll start to realize like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, you'll start to look at it as like it's actually becomes more <clears throat> daunting to have a bunch of shit that takes up a bunch of space in your house and things like that. It's just like, uh, this is in my way. I don't even use it. I'm getting rid of it. That's Dude, a good point. You guys remember when we had that guy on talking about esports and how that was exploding? And yeah, Andy, whatever. Yeah, so... I guess too, like, and he somewhat brought up some professional teams, like within the NBA, within NFL, like all these people kind of looking into it. Well, I guess the the NBA is like all in, like they already have like this. They're building an actual league for NBA 2K, and having that being a new tournament that basically is is lives as like an esports tournament. So each one of these, like the Mavericks and like franchises, already have invested into uh, an e game like sports team that, wow. they've, that they've assembled wow so it's it's it they're putting like lots of money in, in that direction we need to revisit that conversation yeah. i forgot about that i forgot we were supposed to go down and go see wasn't that supposed to be this month too yeah, yeah. that's why i wanted to bring it back up again because it's 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 exploding no it is it's 100 it's gonna be i mean 10 years from now it's gonna be it's gonna be massive absolutely yeah. massive there's no way it can't be Kids, uh, you know, we talked about this before. When we were kids, kids were talking about uh, professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Kids don't talk about them anymore. They don't. They talk well, about all. They talk about gamers. Yeah. They know professional gamers' names, and they know, uh, you know, video games, exactly. and this is how they compete and play. They were all excited because they recruited certain names within the now, space and, and and got them to play for their their squad. And they actually the NBA. Uh, they consider it like so. They have four leagues now. So they have the w- WNBA. They have like the uh, international NBA or something like that. And then this is like going to be their fourth like legit league. Now, do you, do you guys believe that, or do you believe that my, maybe you guys have like kind of a distorted view of that because your kids are really heavy into that? Like, I can't even if because that gaming was. I was a gamer too. I love to play, but I was 
as a kid because I played sports, I still was way into professional sports and real athletes more than I and I, we yeah. were addicted to video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, all the way up into my mid. I think it's changed, dude. It is. I, I really, you really do. think so. You yeah. don't think it's- it, the, the the excitement and momentum in real sports is definitely dwindling. No, look at it's 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 in, look at if you go on YouTube and watch the most. Because YouTube will tell you what kids are watching. You can see clearly by the... It's some of the highest views out of anything. All, go on YouTube and look at the most watched videos and channels for, for kids, uh, teenage kids even. And it's, uh, it's, it's not just video games. It's people playing video games and competing. Well, yeah. No, I know this. I mean, I got my... Even my nephew who's 25, like, and, and working, making great money and stuff like that, you know, he'll, he'll tell me, like, he's... And he, I didn't even think he's like this because I don't even see him play video games that much. But he watches people play video games on YouTube. Dude, my niece. Like, what the fuck? That's my, so weird. To my eleven-year-old niece is. She's got this crush on this boy. She Jessica was visiting her uh, like last week, and you know we're all on Facetime or whatever. And then she shows me her phone. And it's this picture of this boy. So I'm teasing her. I'm like, you're not allowed to like boys or whatever. And I'm like looking. I'm like, who is this kid? I'm like, who is that? And she's like, oh, it's, I don't even remember his name. He's a fucking YouTube star yeah they don't talk about celebrities from hollywood they don't talk about athletes they talk about youtube stars and fucking internet stars they could give a shit about that's totally going to change the whole game it's insane no you're right i mean gary v just did a video the other day of with this little kid who's he's talking to him and the kids like he asks what he wants to be when he grows up and he says i want to be a a youtube star all all of them say that yeah Yeah. all the kids say that yeah yeah i think my kids even said that (laughs) and i'm like i don't know about that uh have you ever seen that one video of these kids uh i think they're maybe like nine or no they're probably like maybe 10 or 11 but like they were supposed to dial using using like an old school phone, like a like a cord phone. Oh, and they didn't. Oh, you mean it was a rotary phone? Rotary phone. Thank you. And <laughs> they had no fucking idea how to use it. How to use like, rotary? Of course, like, of course not. It's like, <laughs> so weird to me. Like it's not intuitive. Like they grab it and uh, like the, the, they're like turning the the rotary, and they, they don't even understand that like you have to pick up the phone first and like have a dial tone and like all that kind of stuff, like, <laughs> like completely like clueless. It was yeah. crazy to me. That's yeah, that's, well, shit's changing so fast, you know. It's uh, it's an interesting time to be alive, man. The new media is replacing old media, and 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 there's nothing they can do about it. There's absolutely nothing Speaking they can do about inter- it. Speaking of interesting times, the article that you sent over this morning of of the Google getting freaked out over the family statement. It was case. their employees. Um, they I guess they had a, a big problem with, and and I guess this, I don't quite understand this. Wait. I think what you can do at Google is if you have an issue, you can put it on one of their message boards, and then other employees can upvote it. And if it gets enough upvotes, then the CEO or whoever will address it. And so somebody had a problem with them, with Google referring to family, using the word family, like saying family friendly as meaning people with kids because it's, they said it was homophobic and it's, uh, it's it's also um, discriminatory yeah. against people without kids Get because you know here. me and my husband are married but we don't have kids right and you know you need to use a different word like instead of saying you know family uh, you know family suitable or family friendly you should say all people friendly collective or non-binary uh, uh, group yeah and and so and people had a big problem with it and so they actually one of the the executives at Google had to address it with their staff and be like you know we're sorry I got to read I got to find it and read it. Um, what exactly they said, but 
It's uh, it's no, I, that's it. preposterous. You're, you hit it. It's what it's exactly what it talks about. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I read it. It's, it's, you know what it makes re- me? It's ridiculous. You know what it is that makes me laugh is that it's not. Things have gotten so good yeah. that people we're creating problems. We have to find things no, I, I and tol- intricacies to complain about. I told you I shared on this show a while back. When it was my niece had you know her friends over from work that they all worked at Facebook and to listen to what. Like, you know, it's it's totally normal when you get, like, three people, you're in your 20s, you all work at the same place. Like, what do you do? You bitch about the boss, you bitch about the work environment. Like, I think that's been happening forever. But to hear what they were bitching about, I thought was really fascinating. Oh, dude. It was like this whole thing about, like, oh, so-and-so, you know, he's, you see he's got all Asian people and he's only got one Indian person and there's, like, no white people. And in they're there. complaining? So, yeah, they're just, they're just talking about the diversity of the person's group. Like, that fucking just matters. Just numbers. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's gone back. Backwards. It's, it's so uh, weird. That mentality is uh, starting to self-destruct. By the way, where you're seeing now, what was this? Well, there's no end to it. You did a great meme. It's uh, what's the what's the guy? Uh, and I believe he's Thomas a, Sowell. Yes, that's the that's exact. You already you knew what yeah. I was thinking. If you if you if you believe in in rights of of an individual, then it's uh then then there's no such thing as you know gay rights, minority rights, straight rights. That would all. You don't need to it's say that. It's all human rights. It's all rights. Right. It's this. This whole movement is is starting to cannibalize and destroy itself. Where you're seeing, um, you know, women's, uh, you know, women's marches well, get criticized because there's white women. There's that too are, many men the, uh, marching. No, or there's or there's there's white women. Oh, white women. It. We need yeah, to have right. other, you know, kinds of or. You know, uh, gay uh, parades or gay events being, you know, led by a, by a, a, a white male or by a Christian male. No, 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 that doesn't count anymore. So now, what's happening is it's a self-destructive. And this is, by the way, this is throughout all of history. This is not a new thing. When you go down the path of collectivization, where you collectivize people based on a group identity and remove the individual. It all starts to destroy itself. You saw this happen in the Soviet Union. You see this happen in any mm. communist regime where it's you know it's the other guy. Once the other guy is gone, then it's other other guy. And mm. before you know it, people are starting to kill each other. It becomes a very terrible environment. And so I, this is what's happened. Where it used to be, you know, let's just value people for their qualities and their character. Mm-hmm. Now they're looking at groups and being like, there's not enough. Yeah. Indian people in that group. There's not there's enough women in that group. Categories on subcategories, you know, and, and it's like it's that every day there's a new invented uh, term for something. Yeah, and it's it's just uh, there's no end to it. I just don't see any end to the logic. And um, they say know. they self destruct. You yeah. see these groups that that form themselves as a as a group to strengthen their group identity. So like we are the you know, uh, you know, minority Muslim group or whatever, and then within that group, they'll start to uh, self-destruct. Well, wait a minute, you're straight, mm-hmm. and you know, so that means, but we're we're you have gay, privilege. Yeah. so we separate, and then we separate, and then we separate, and it becomes self-destructive, and that's part of the problem. And I think Google's leadership is, and it's this new, it's this tech. Because tech companies are are very forward advancing, very fast growing, mm-hmm. and I think that they're a lot of times trying things that are different. 
And one of the things that, that they try to be very progressive. And they're also trying to give everybody a voice. We want to hear everybody and we'll address any problem. Everyone's look at a company should allow that, but a company should also have strong leadership that right. says shut the fuck up, sit down. Yeah, no. Follow me. No, this is getting ridiculous now. If you don't like it here, leave. Yeah. We'll hire someone else. And so they're just what they're doing is they're emboldening these people who work in one of the best companies. What was the average pay? Yeah, two fifty. Yeah, they were <laughs> the highest. It was in, it was like two hundred and fifty oh, grand a year. Besides Facebook, yeah. It, it was insane, or hundred. It was two hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. They get ridiculous perks. Like work. If you work at Google, you make up 001 percent of the world's population. You have incredible benefits. You are a very lucky individual. Yes, you got there because you worked hard, but you're working in a fucking awesome place. And they're just sitting around thinking, "What can I complain about today?" Oh, yeah. when they say family friendly, then I I think I can be offended by that. So let me you know start this petition at work or whatever. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. Stop complaining. <laughs> Today's Quad is brought to you by MAPS Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking Quad. The eagle has landed. First question is from my name, Matt. My name, Matt. What are some things that you can do for optimum brain function to stay on top of the game? For example, clearer thinking, faster response time, etc. This is a great question because for a long time, I used to always think about ways of optimizing my muscular strength and physical performance. Um, but as uh, as I've gotten older and since we started Mind Pump, where so much of what we do relies upon our mental sharpness mm-hmm. and our ability to articulate our thoughts and converse and interview people and stuff like that. More and more, I started focusing on what things can optimize my mind and my my speed and you know how I talk. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is the things that optimize brain function are kind of the same things that optimize physical performance. It's just uh, I, I, I look at them a little differently now. Like, for example, getting um, good sleep yeah, that's huge. Is a, is a very big one. And that also benefits the rest of my body, but it also benefits my mind. Eating properly. And here's a funny thing. I feel like I, get, I can get away with it more when I don't think of things in terms of mental sharpness. Like if I eat poorly and don't get good sleep, my mental sharpness is off a little bit. But my physical performance, I could take some coffee or whatever and still have a hard workout. So I feel like I can tell more if I pay attention more to how how my mind is working. Does that does that make kind of sense? Yeah. Yeah. Works? Yeah. I think so. I I definitely sleep has to be the highest. I mean, that's for me to think clearly and be able to retain information or uh, remember something. I it's all based off of sleep and how tired I am for the most part. Because um, for me, that's that's one of the biggest struggles for me is really to. Um, have that that ability and, and that sharpness, and when that's when I when I haven't slept well, it it, it is totally distorted as a result, and yeah. I, I notice it right away. I feel like there's a different the difference for me between uh, when when my mind is feeling optimized and and when it's just feeling whatever. The difference is my ability to grasp uh, explanations, articulate what I want to say, my verbal fluency. That there's a big difference there. It's like. 
uh, when I'm feeling sharp, I'm, I'm fire. Mm-hmm. When I'm not feeling sharp, I'm searching sometimes for words and I'll, I'll capture an idea. And if I don't talk about it right, right then and there, I'll lose it. Like we'll have conversation and I'll be like, oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And, and there'll be a great idea that I want to say. And then you'll, you'll finish your idea. And I forgot. Right. I already forgot my idea. Right. Um, sleep, hands down, is the most important thing that will affect that uh, for me. And then yeah. the, the but second then thing, movement. I yeah. mean, for me, movement is vital uh, in, in terms of being able to have the energy and that type of, um, you know, just overall uh, energy towards whatever I'm trying to talk about. Like I, I need to move my body in order to express, uh, you know, all this pent up uh, tension and everything else. And so for me to be able to move so much sexual tension, he's got to move. Yeah, he's got to move his hips. <laughs> uh, you got to read Rise of Superman and then Stealing Fire if you like that afterwards, uh, because I think that that's a great book uh, uh, along these lines. So personally, there's been some things that I've noticed. Uh, to piggyback off of what Sal said, this this job above all other jobs I've ever done in my life has given me the tools to measure this uh, better than anything else. Like because we are, are recorded when we talk and it's it's live while we're doing it, right? So we don't go back and edit or change things. What, I, what comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth, whether I like it or not, right? <laughs> and then I can go back and I can listen to it. And then I can also assess like, oh, what have I been doing this week? And what have I changed? Like, So this job has, has allowed me to measure that. And the things that I've noticed uh, that have helped me the most or impacted me the most, agreed, uh, sleep for sure. Uh, also agreed with Justin. When I'm, when I'm in a rhythm of training and I'm being consistent, meaning three plus times a week, and uh, and I'm very consistent with that. Definitely notice a difference with uh, my verbal fluency on here. Uh, I also notice too, just w- when my diet's in check, like maybe, and th- it's hard to say which one is more impactful because all of these are really impactful. Mm. I, it, we one of the biggest things I noticed a couple of years ago when we did uh, the ketogenic diet for the first time, uh, I noticed a big difference in mental clarity from that, and I just probably attribute that to when I was eating high carbohydrates where I was mm-hmm. 300, 500, 600 grams of carbs. I was probably inflamed a lot. So probably high inflammatory foods I'm consuming. And so that just caused, uh, you know, probably a little bit of fogginess for me. And then switching over to keto uh, really did it. Also when I, we fast and I come yeah, off. I was going to bring that up. Fasting was, was a big component. Yeah. For me so for the, the, the fasting, the fasting and the keto thing, I think it has made a big difference. I also noticed for me because I'm a advocate of, of marijuana, I I got to a point where I was probably having too much. I mean, it was so fun that we had a job where I technically could smoke in here if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Because I had that luxury, I think there was a few times where I would be doing that. And as fun as it may be, and as much as it might have loosened up a conversation, it did take away from my mental sharpness. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that not only did I have to eliminate that, but I also had to reduce my consumption outside of this. I have a kind of... An interesting experience with that, though, personally being like I I was able to, I think, not live so in my head. So when I started to take like a five milligram dose uh, that allowed me to just express myself, I think, with Mm -hmm. less judgment, uh, which which helped me to explain myself, I thought, like a little bit more effectively, which was interesting. Yeah, because 
probably because what gets in your way is uh, a little bit of anxiety over what you're going to say. Yeah. And so it lowers that. Similar to how uh, maybe a drink might do for someone at a party, where it lowers that that feeling of anxiety. It, it, they're they're less inhibited, mm-hmm. and then the words come out and flow more. And substances can definitely have that effect, especially if that's what's preventing you from you know being able to be sharp in the first place. Now, too much. Yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. for anybody. I mean, for me, you start ramp watering your way through it. Even and and (laughs) you know, even like the stuff. Like, I mean, we we are you know pro our you know Organifi Pure, which is like a nootropic, right? Something like that. That one works really well. No, it does. I like that. And but what I notice is if all those other things are out of whack, I don't really feel that. But if I'm Mm -hmm. dialed in on my diet, my workouts, I'm getting in. I haven't been flooding my system with tons Mm -hmm. of caffeine and then I take something like the pure oh my god I'm flying Mm -hmm. or if I just have have came off of caffeine or reduced my consumption a lot and then and then actually spiked it for a day oh my god I feel like I'm on fire oh yeah but you have to learn to the challenge of that is this is okay I have all of a sudden today I decide I'm gonna have 250 milligrams of caffeine which is you know double what I would normally intake and it's like boom I'm on fire I love this and then you become addicted to that feeling so then you run it back the next day and then you run it back the next day and then all of a sudden the the same feeling that you were getting that first and second time you did it is starting to diminish and so being able to have the mental and self-awareness to to, to see that in yourself that something's becoming a habit, pull back from it and then reintroduce it. You can use tools like that. That's helped a lot. Oh, one, my, one of the biggest motivators for me to come off caffeine is to capture the magic that caffeine can provide when you're sensitive to it. Because when I'm using it consistently, you lose that magic. Your body adapts. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get diminishing returns. Then if you don't have it, you feel totally foggy. And then if you have it, you maybe feel normal or sometimes even feel a little anxious. And so... For me, you know, for what we do with our job, there's definitely times I want to be on point. Like if we're going to do a big interview or if we're going to have an episode where I really want to convey a message, I would like to have a tool like caffeine, which you're right, Adam, doesn't do much if everything else is shit. But if I dial everything else in, I can use it like this magic that I can take and it'll 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 bring out an extra element of uh, of performance out of me, and so this job has really. I mean, I have a whole protocol, you know. Like if we're if when when we would travel and do these podcast hard trips, and, and we would <laughs> I was going to bring that meet up. with people. I would yeah. the, he was night, the house dad. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I would I would give everybody, you know, organified green juice. Make sure we go to bed on time. We got to eat our vegetables. When we wake up in the morning, you know, have our because I I would treat it that way, like I would for a game. Like if you're gonna, yeah. if you're a high performance athlete, look, here's the deal: if you're a professional athlete, the best pro- professional athletes don't fool yourself. They have a ritual before their games, for mm-hmm. sure. They do things that improve their performance, both psychologically, right. like maybe you know we're putting the same socks on, and you know physiologically, like I eat this kind of breakfast, it makes me feel the best the night before I do a massage. Well, you have to do that to be able to get yourself into that flow state, that optimal state where, yeah, you're not too much in your mind and you're experiencing it in the present time. Right, so because of the work that we do now, I treat it very much like I am a professional athlete at what I do, and so it's real important for me to feel 
sharp. And so I make it, I've, I've never made this much of a, a big deal about going to bed on time. Never. I was always, I could, I could get around. You're the math. Michael Jordan of podcasting. And so, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I take it very seriously and I've noticed the things that it does for my ability to, you know, to communicate. Yeah. Um, and those are the big ones. Here's a, here's something that blew me away a while ago was learning that um, stimulants like Adderall actually did not make people more intelligent. This was this was crazy for me because I thought it did. I thought people would take it and, yeah, that was and perform better. And what they found was they didn't perform any better. They thought they performed better. Yeah. That was the difference. And so that's the thing about other substances is you may take certain things and feel like you may be doing better. Right. But they're not really improving your performance. The only things that really improve your performance are optimal health. So all the things that fall under that umbrella of optimal health which are things that we advocate for optimal physical health, uh, exercise, eating right, getting good sleep, you know, uh, managing stress. Those are the things that are going to optimize your brain function. Now, as far as supplements like Pure, um, one of the active ingredients is lion's mane. And lion's mane is not a stimulant. Lion's mane uh, has been shown to improve cognitive function in people with diminishing cognitive function. And so with people who are normal, otherwise normal, it seems to have this kind of health-promoting effect. So it's not like you take it and then you feel like you have caffeine, but if you take it on a consistent basis on top of being healthy, um, then you may notice gradually over time you just feel you just feel sharper. Next question is from E. Kuluke. How strong should the average individual aim to be in the major movement categories such as hinge, squat, push, press, pull? What is considered the minimum amount of strength you should have for health and longevity? Doug, would you, while we're talking about this and answering, there is a article that um, uh, T Nation um, had, and I know we've shared it on like, the forum. Consider, are you strong or are you considered uh, strong? It's just a really good chart. It goes through all the major exercises and it, and it shows you uh, what you should be able to do yeah, for each one of these lists. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, good, very good, excellent, or elite. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's like three categories to kind of give you an idea of like where you know yeah, where. That was you, a good article. I know, and I and I went. Th I remember we went through all of them, and we all agreed like, yeah, no, these are these are legit numbers. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really good article. Yeah. Oh, here we go. These are, are these are strength standards. Let's see what they said, and see if this is the same article. You know, for health and longevity, it's a little it's a different question, okay, yeah. um, or a different answer. Health and longevity, and we'll go through this, these. In this just, is it. Yeah, see, this is decent, it. good, and great. Yeah. That's what so. It's so this is what they're saying, and we largely agree with this from a strength performance standpoint. So this is more than just uh, uh, you know uh, longevity and health. So it says here, for a man, if you can squat one and a half times your body weight, uh, that's considered decent. Uh, two times your body weight is considered good. Two and a half times your body weight is great and uh, is considered great. For the bench press, it's no, go, one, go to women. So uh, oh, for, for women, it's 0.75% of your body weight for squatting. 1.25% of your body weight is good. And two times your body weight is great for squatting. Um, and it goes down the list for, for bench press, uh, you know, uh, and for deadlift and for they don't they don't really list the percentages for the other lifts. Now I agree with these numbers for performance. I definitely think if you're a man and you can squat you know, two times or two and a half times your body weight, you're freaking strong. If yeah. you can squat one and a half times your body weight, you're pretty damn strong. Mm. Um, for longevity and health, that's different. You know, longevity and health, you just need to be strong enough to be able to move optimally, not have any pain, 
um, not uh, you know not limit your day to day activity. You be able to reach up above your head. Yeah, it really depends on what you do every day, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're uh, if you know if you're somebody who loads heavy boxes all day long for a living, like your strength requirements are probably higher than somebody who has a job where they sit at a desk all day long. And then if you're someone who sits at a desk all day long, then really all you need to be able to do is all these basic movements that would outside of your job would require you to do, which would be, like you said, reaching above your head and grabbing something, bending over and picking something up at the house. And so, you know, those those type of things uh, for longevity purposes, you don't need to hit anywhere near these types of numbers. I think. In fact, I would even argue that if you have great numbers, uh, in all of these things, it's pro- it might not be ideal for longevity. Yeah, if you're you know what I'm if you're squ- if you're somebody who's squatting two times to three times your body weight, that's a that's a lot of load. Yeah. That's a lot of load. Probably right? not ideal for longevity. Yeah, I mean it's over six hundred something pounds for me. Like if I was squatting over six hundred pounds on a on a fairly regular basis, I I can't imagine that uh, the the impact long term that would be on on my joints. I mean, right. Of course, if my mechanics were perfect and everything like that and flawless, but the likelihood of you you being that perfect well, and even then kind of, there's wear and tear you yeah. know, over the years and you just have to account for that. Like no matter how perfect your form and technique and, you know, what you've been eating and all that, like it's just it's inevitable at some point that, you know, you're going to have wear and tear and breakdowns. So. Yeah. It's, strength is for longevity. Strength is extremely important to maintain joint health uh, and movement and to give you stability so you don't fall and hurt yourself uh, and give you strong bones and stuff like that. And of course, faster metabolism so you can burn more calories, all those things we talk about. That's why strength is so important. Now, you can take strength to all kinds of new levels, um, but once you go into performance, you're taken away from longevity. And this Mm -hmm. is actually true. This is true for any physical pursuit. It's true for endurance too, you know, uh, if you push your endurance to the max, you're probably not going to have the same, you know, kind of. I longevity. can't help but always. I know Adam brings this up a lot too, but like y- you take that sort of avatar, like video game character, and you have give them the attributes that you want them to have, and it's like you can only fill them up with so many of the attributes before it starts taking away from the other ones. Right. It's just that's how these things work. Like your body has to prioritize mm-hmm. uh, its focus and what it's good at. And you're so, not going to be the most athletic person in the world and the healthiest person in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. No, you're not. They don't. They don't go hand in hand. They both have carryover to each other very much so. But if you are on the elite level of athletes, there's going to be some extra wear and tear. You're doing stuff repetitively, which all those things don't lead to ideal longevity and health. So you know what the irony of all that is? If you are the if you have the best longevity and health, at some point in your life, you will be you will be one of the most athletic people in your age category. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like if you've got super good longevity and health, and you're <laughs> you and you're right when you're 90, stretch it out. Yeah, yeah and you're like, you can. yeah, you're 75 yeah. or 80. You're fucking for your age group. You're like the most athletic person that there That's is. That's a really interesting theory, right there. I wonder at what point does that happen, right? So let's say, huh. let's say you take two people, identical and everything, identical right? twins. Yeah, like identical. I could beat LeBron James once he's ninety-two. Well, yes, the, yes, yeah, right, right, right. Like, like, <laughs> You'll be able to hoop on his ass. Like, like, like imagine if you're. <laughs> like I've been waiting it out all yeah, these years. Imagine you're his twin. One-on-one. You're his twin brother, and you went the the ideal longevity health, you know, and you're doing everything. You're working in. You're meditating, you're walking, balanced diet, lifting your body weight, you're not doing anything crazy, and you were but consistent as fuck your whole life. At what age does his 
elite level athleteness start to diminish and you guys catch up to each other because obviously yeah. right now in it's his bell curve in right? his prime he's whooping your ass you yeah. go out for a sprint he's beating you you go to jump as high as you can he's beating you, you get under a squat rack he's beating you but at some point you will end up catching up and mm. at what what age would you guesstimate that that happens god at? it depends on the sport uh, yeah. I, I think if you're uh, it depends really on the sport right because he diminishes faster based off of what he's doing if he's a linebacker in the yeah. nfl yep. he's probably fallen off the wagon by the time I feel he's like golf's 40. one of those only sports you could do like once you're like yeah you, you know seasoned into your like 80s and, and 90s you could still do it yeah like i feel like if we took some like old you know sardinian man or okinawan you know elderly person in their 80s and because they have, they tend to have incredible longevity, you know, maybe, you know, 50 years or whatever from now, like Justin said, they'll be able to like outrun and play, you know, LeBron James because he's going to be all fucked up from all the years of, of basketball. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's funny to so think about. It now, is. The, now the other, the other, it's a long game. The you know what I mean? Is, the other thing to speculate on is what if though in the, the LeBron James type of athlete who's we we all know is pushing his body to extremes and isn't ideal for longevity retires next year you know at his peak physically mm-hmm. and then switches his mindset to longevity Just all recovery right and, yeah. then switches him his his mindset to longevity then then it'd be interesting to see because you would think that all the the one positive thing of of stretching the boundaries and pushing is the the adaptation process mm-hmm. that per, over time is like gonna you, have, you've stretched out your capacity right yeah so, so your, your work capacity is greater is, than than most people right so yeah. then so then then we have a different argument there well right? so there's two things one I think it'll reverse a lot of the damage I don't think it'll reverse all of it but I do but here's something else that's interesting the genetics that make you an extreme athlete tend to be the gen- tend to not be the same genetics that make you live a long time. So mm. when you look at when you look at the, the the numbers, the very, very tall and very, very big tend to not live as long as right. people who are smaller yeah. and shorter. And athletes tend to be fucking giants. They tend to be these monsters of, of humans with these huge bone structures. It's all horsepower. Just big yeah. people and you don't see a whole lot of extremes is what it is, really. You don't see a whole lot of extremes that live a long time. The people that tend to live a long time, besides all the you know lifestyle factors like eating you know the certain way and Isn't being weird? active, I just find is it, in the middle. I find it fat. I mean, this is this is the the god side of me. It just thinks that he played it out this way on purpose. It's like <laughs> you get this option, right? You could you can be this superstar athlete and have the most amazing thirty years of your life, but then it's going to end short. You know, it's like and you're going to be financially wealthy. You're going to have all these attributes. Everyone's going to want to be you. And then you could be this guy who's just like, eh, I'm pretty much average at everything. Nobody knows who I am. I have a, I'm not tall. I'm not short. I'm not fat. I'm not, I'm not skinny. I'm just kind of in the middle of the way, but you know, you'll probably go unnoticed forever, but you're going to go unnoticed for 90 years. You know what I'm saying? It's like, isn't it funny how it's just how that all weighs out? You know, well, when I look at it, 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 when I look at it, it's like, it's like this, like, would I trade the and we're talking about extreme like high performance athletes but let's just talk about the like most people right would i trade higher levels of performance and strength and looking a particular way for the negatives that end up that happen uh as you age where you're um you, you can't take care of yourself where you're immobile i don't know man i used to train a lot of elderly people and you know, the depression rate among the elderly is very, very high, and it's mainly because a lot of them can't do shit for themselves. And, you know, that could be 10 years of your life. Like, you could be 70, and from 70 to 80, 
It's just a shit. It sucks because yeah. you can't take care of yourself. You can't move very well. Chair bound. Your health is just not good. So I don't know if it's worth it. You know, maybe because I'm getting older. I'm not old yet, but as I get older, maybe the longevity is becoming more and more alluring because I don't want to live the last ten years of my life. You know, Decrepit. not being able. Yeah, just not yeah. be able to do what I want to do. Not be able. Not be. Yeah, I want to have options. Yeah, you know. Next question is from Take a Yes Fit. Elaborate on fresh versus frozen veggies and the pros and cons of both. Yeah, you know, Max Max Lugavir just did a post on that. Oh, really? What did he yeah. say? Did you guys see what he said? Yeah, he's basically. I mean, there's he actually literally did a pro versus con on really? fresh and frozen. And what it really came down to is there's not that much of a big difference. The, and if anything, the the little bit that you you lose from the freshness from being a frozen food like this you gain in the the ability to be able to store and keep and have access it be accessible at any time right so well the thing about frozen that that i i learned this i don't know about 10 years ago um and i thought it was really cool i had this uh, client that worked out in my facility who worked in this field they actually produced uh fruits and vegetables and I was having a conversation with my clients, with one of my other clients, and I remember saying, you know, if you get, if you buy veggies, you should always get uh, fresh. And he says, no, I says, Sal, that's not correct. And so I said, well, why? Because I knew that was his field. And he says, well, if it's out of season um, or if it's getting shipped from far away, they pick it before it ripens and it has its maximum uh, nutrients and, and phytonutrients and antioxidants. And then by the time it gets to you, you're getting something that's less uh, less nutritious. It's got lower levels of antioxidants, lower levels of some of these beneficial um, compounds that we're finding in, in things like uh, sulforaphane and, and other types of things, uh, indole-3-carbinol and broccoli, for example. He says when they freeze them, they pick them at their peak ripeness. And they pick them and they freeze them. And when you freeze them, you literally maintain their freshness and maintain mm. their nutrients. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I remember being blown away by that because I always thought fresh was always better. Right. So I did more research, and he's he's correct. And the, where I ended where I ended up with that is if if it's in season, if it's a vegetable or fruit that's in season, fresh is good. If it's not, you're better off eating frozen. That, that makes sense. And there's a lot of places in America where I mean, we live in California. We're a bit spoiled that we can get. A lot of things in season all year long. Yeah. Not just from here, but from Mexico, which is real close to us. So uh, avocados, you know, we can get uh, pretty much year round. Have you ever gone to the East Coast or wherever and tried to get fruit when it's out of season and see what it looks like? It's uh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, oh yeah, you you go over to get an avocado somewhere like this is not an avocado because you have to ship it from so far mm. because it doesn't not grown locally. Or you get some strawberries. And I remember looking at the strawberries. I'm like, these are terrible. They don't yeah, look that like makes the ones sense. I mean, my my biggest qualm is just like the texture and the taste and like all that. Like, I I definitely anecdotally, I, I'm I love fresh as much as possible. And I know that there's CSAs and things that locally that have in season vegetables and fruits that I can then choose from. So I base a lot of the meals off of what we do have in terms of like the fresh fruits and and, and veggies that are available, but um, I'm not opposed to yeah the, the the frozen thing because it isn't it definitely does capture all those nutrients. It's not like you're losing. Well, it. when you're, uh, I mean, and I think that's the point that Max was making, and I can totally relate to this being a bachelor of 
many years, like having fresh vegetables and, and fresh, fresh fruit is really work. It's tough. It's tough when you, you know, when you're by yourself, like, what are you going to buy one banana? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. no, you you buy five or six, and that means I gotta have a banana every single day for that, you know, that week. Yeah, you for gotta me. get you gotta eat it quickly. Every single day. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't always want a banana every single day. And so then, you know, X amount of them go bad. So not being able to have frozen food is 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 a bit of a challenge. So the only the only knock that I ever had on frozen is sometimes because they, they preserve them in uh, sodium. There's a there the sodium intake in there. Mm. So the, if you're somebody who's watching you're a competitor. Yeah, if you're exactly if you're watching your sodium intake and you're taking in a lot of frozen stuff, sometimes that's uh, you'll see that they have Now for the average person that's not doesn't matter. Nah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So if you're talking about health, it's not a big deal. I'm just saying that if you're if you are like a, a competitor like I was competing and I'd use And this, this is stuff, like for the like few weeks before or yeah, one week before competition. Well, yeah, and even just being aware of it. It's mm-hmm. not even a matter of like, can I, can I do it? It's just that, you know, when you're somebody who's tracking and paying attention and watching your weight and watching the way you look every single day, if you're eating all fresh stuff and you're, you're eating a relatively, you know, moderate sodium filled diet, and then all of a sudden I have, you know, a day where I have a bunch of frozen vegetables mm-hmm. or fruit in the diet, it could cause me to retain some water yeah. for a day or two and like that could throw you off now, mentally. Free, freezing is one of the you know because we always talk against processed food and this that and the other i mean technically processing means you're taking something and changing it to improve its shelf life freezing was one of the first ways humans learned to preserve uh food freshness to prevent it from going bad obviously because you're preventing bacteria um and decay from happening um, and freezing is one of the best ways to do that. And it's, mm. it's fine. It's perfectly fine. It's kind of cool. You can freeze something and not make it worse for you. Well, it's not like you're adding that was salt packing, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's not like you're, you're altering the nutrition of it or you're making it unhealthy because you're adding preservatives or whatever. It's just frozen. It costs way less. Frozen vegetables are cheaper because they're easier to ship. Um, frozen vegetables last longer. I can take out what I want to eat and leave what I don't want to eat. Um, the nutrition is perfectly fine. Everything from the antioxidants, to the phytonutrients, everything is in them, just like it would be uh, when it's fresh. Um, I guess the drawback is the taste. Uh, you, you cook a frozen vegetable, it tends to get soggy. Yeah, you know? it's nasty. It's, it's, not as, it's not as good. I'm not but a fan. I, I, get, I get frozen uh, all the time. Yeah. Next question is from rbrock 74 what are the best ways to get over a breakup? Oh, Who picked this question? <laughs> Probably Justin. He's been dumped a lot. Go ahead, Justin. I have. <laughs> I have. Dude, I mean, it's it's a perfect way to start really working on yourself and working out, right? <laughs> I mean, what an opportune time to get buff and awesome, you know? Like yeah. it, no, like, honestly, though, that I, I remember having to just go right into the gym and just pour myself uh, into the gym. That was, like, the best distraction ever to, to get over somebody and, like, just kind of get through that. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember telling the story of, of the, the breakup I had when I was out in Chicago and it was just like, that was one of those that just totally floored me, you know, like, cause it was between it being like freezing. I had no friends. Like, you know, I just broke up with my girlfriend and it was just, it, it feels like everything's against you, man. And, and the gym was my savior, dude. Did you, did, did, how long did you stay sad for? Do you remember? Uh, I mean, it took, that, that was a rough one because it, it took, it was about four years, like consist, like that I was with her. We didn't break up or anything. It was just like a hard break, right? Mm-hmm. Right after that, and then it was, yeah. It took me, it took me a f- quite a few months, I think, 
to, to, to finally get over it. What, it's a it, they they when they do studies on people who go through hard breakups, um, the effect on the body is like it's it's like losing a loved one. No, it's a it's a it's an interesting thing. I I've, I've been through a lot of breakups, and only one of them devastated me, and it was the fir- my first like first love that that and one of the things when I got older and, and I reflect back on what was so different and what changed me. And along the point that Justin just made, I think is so true, is at that point, I was so invested in her and not myself that I felt devastated afterwards. She was my everything. My 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 life revolved around her. And I think this happens a lot in relationships. I think mm-hmm. we get into relationships and many people lose their identity and who they are uh, and they don't know anything but each other and then when the, when it ends uh, that's why it's so devastating and all the other breakups I had after that you know some people might think that I was cold or heartless um, but no I never lost myself after that I, I learned from that mistake and going forward I no longer put that much into the other person if I first was not putting that into myself. And so I didn't lose myself ever again. It's that whole identity thing, right? You just identified yourself as being this person that's with that person. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. to be able to now like figure out who you are, like it, exactly the same lesson I learned was like, don't put that much weight in that, in that area, like really be comfortable with who you are regardless of the circumstances. Yeah. And I think that you, I think you you do you get so hung up on this person that you know and that and that if you feel this way afterwards and this is the hardest time to do this because of course you you feel rough and you're feeling sorry for yourself or or you're pointing the blame on what they did wrong in the relationship and you're kind of caught up in this whole storm and it takes a lot of discipline to detach yourself from all that and have some perspective and go okay you know why do I feel this way? And nine times out of 10, when you start diving into it, you'll find that the reason why you feel this way is because you, you feel that you need that person. And that's a really bad place to be in any relationship. Uh, I used to, one of the things I used to be so turned on by that Katrina used to say to me is she'd say, I don't need you. I want you. You know, and it, boom, it, sex right yeah. there. Yeah, right. totally right. And I and I love that. You know, I I don't want you to to need me. I want you to want me. You know, I want I want you to want me to be a part of this journey. You want me to be a part of these things and enjoy this process with you. But you most certainly don't need me, and your life goes on without me. Like that doesn't make me feel insecure to hear a partner say that. In fact, it makes me feel really good because then it allow then it gives me permission to also do me. To be me and to be the best version of myself, and what's ironic of all that is opportunities to do me. Right, the more selfish you are with with bettering yourself, the better you will be as a partner. And so, use this opportunity of being in this situation to uh, find yourself again, and and bury yourself into the things that make you a better person and grow as an individual. And for me, that was always like reading and work. 
making money and being successful and then my health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I would pour myself into those things. And then when, and when you get reconnected with those things, don't lose it again. When you get into another relationship, you should, the right partner, you should be able to add into that mix and those, and you never lose those mm-hmm. things. But if you continue, like what happens with a lot of people is they go, they, they fall into patterns where this, they just keep dating the same, same person, but it's another person, right? Just a different name, but it's the same issues. You still keep running your whole life around them and you you lose sight of who you are and the things that make you happy and that, that fill your cup. And then all of a sudden you, you, you break up again and then you're in this whole fucking cycle again. It's like, mm. find yourself again. Find, find what fills your cup that makes you happy. Pour everything into that. And then when the time comes and you meet another person, add them to that. Don't take away from those things to to try and live live for them. Yeah, I think... I think people like to talk about how to get over a breakup because it's so painful and they want a way to take away the pain. Um, and and I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to say breakup. I'm going to say any kind of a loss mm-hmm. um, because um, they, they all feel terrible. Here's, here's the thing with any loss. The pain is not going to go away. Okay, What I mean by that is not that you're not going to get better at some point. You will. But you're going to feel pain. So accept the fact that it's going to hurt. What'll get you through that is a sense of purpose. Uh, that's always what gets you through pain. That's always what gets you through the tough times. If your sense of purpose was that person, you're going to have a tough time because they're not mm-hmm. with you anymore. If your sense of purpose is not that person, whether it be your family, your work, uh, you, you know, your religion, whatever, then you're still going to feel the pain. It's still going to suck. But you're going to have a sense of purpose that's going to get you through the most difficult times of your life. And this is why, this is, and I've gone through some incredibly difficult losses. I, you know, I lost, I mean, I just went through a divorce, although it, I wouldn't put it in the same category as a breakup in the sense that it was, it was mutual, still very difficult. But before that, I lost somebody very, very close to me, somebody who was like a second mother to me. And they passed away. They died. It was very, 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 very painful. Very difficult. Anybody who's ever lost somebody close to them will know how difficult and painful that can be. And what got me through it was uh, my sense of purpose for the rest of my life and also what I took from that relationship that I had with this individual. And that's what you have to do. Otherwise, it's it's unbearable. If it's all about the pain and pleasure, um, you're going to be in a situation where it's going to be almost completely unbearable. I mean, in, in this this is this is true for any most. Look, I had a client who um, she lost her son. I can't even imagine what that must feel like mm. to lose a child. I can't even imagine, but she did. And you know what carried her was her other child. She said she had another kid that she had to be strong for and maintain and continue. So that became her sense of purpose. And it, it she told me that's what helped her survive through that. Um, so. You know, when we're talking about getting better yourself, going to work out, improve your business, improve your your friendships and relationships, that's what we mean by by that's what I mean by sense of purpose. It's like, okay, I'm in this pain, this sucks. Let me find some purpose that's get me th- that's going to get me through this difficult time. It could also be just looking at yourself and saying, "Boy, this is challenging. Um, I can't I can't wait to see what kind of." person I'm going to become at the end of this because it's, it's going to be a better person. Mm-hmm. How can I become a better person? Um, but you know, it's going to hurt, man. Uh, I tell you what, one of the worst things you could do when you're in a lot of pain is numb it. 
Um, it, it doesn't make it go away. It just prolongs the, the pain and it, and it just kicks the can down the road. Um, and you don't want to numb your pain because that's what can get people into a lot of trouble. It's, it can turn mm-hmm. into, um, it can turn into addiction, uh, alcohol or drugs or sex. It can turn into more terrible relationships or terrible situations. So you just have to accept that this hurts like crazy and I just got to feel it. And I need to find a sense of purpose so that I can keep taking one step after another and keep moving forward. And that's it. Um, look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download any one of our free guides, including our How to Squat Like a Pro guide. That one's actually getting a lot of activity right now. And it's got some advanced techniques on how to take your squat to the next level. You can also find us all on Instagram. We have individual pages. My page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.